Good morning and welcome to your favorite Friday morning podcast, Conversations with Buddy, brought to you by The Rec, way more than a bowling alley. We give you the ability to connect each week with our guests because we believe people matter, you matter. We are grateful to all the listeners who take the time each week to hear the stories of our guests. Please help us grow the show by taking a moment right now and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Our purpose of this podcast is to impact the world one testimony at a time. This morning, we have a guest, and I will call you a new friend. It's Mike Hill. What's up, Mike? Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. Dude. Well, hey, you and I reached out, or you and I were connecting through Facebook maybe, what, six months ago? Yeah, something, Eight months something ago. like that. I knew you were from Coos Bay, and I don't know how I knew that, but I did some research on you because I thought that was interesting. Who's this Mike Hill guy? And... uh but we never connected for a while until what, a month ago, a month and a half ago? Yeah, yeah, about that. Okay. So you and I met for coffee at Starbucks. It's my favorite thing to do, by the way, is early morning coffee. So, well, hey, let me do a quick intro of you, and then I'm going to, we're going to dive into some good questions and uh, figure out who Mike Hill is. Is that Good. fair? Yeah, I'm excited to find that out too. So. <laughs> I know, right? Well, hopefully I'll, give you, hopefully I'll give you some good questions and it'll trigger some some thoughts to yeah. come out, so... So number one, you're a believer in Christ. This is what you wrote. This is awesome. You're a husband to Jordan. How long have you been married? Shoot, a little bit. Uh, testing, like, testing. Like, yeah, approaching 10 years. Approaching 10 years. Awesome. A father of four, and then what are the ages of your kids? We've got uh, Aspen, who's 13. We've got Sophia, who's 12. We've got Anthony, who's 10. And we've got Porter bringing up the rear at seven. So you guys are busy. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, you've been uh, 16 years in the Army National Guard and counting. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Thanks for serving, by the way. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, of course. You're co-team leader of Hilltop Property Group. Who do you co-team uh, with? Wow, with my wife, Jordan. Okay, yeah. so I thought. Um, and you and I are going to talk about, because you're from Coos Bay, right? North Bend? Yeah, yep. That, that's where I grew up. Um, that's where all the good growing up happened, for sure. So- just a real quick side note. Uh, I went to college at SWAC in Coos Bay. We, we talked about that a little bit. But the name of your uh, real estate group is Hilltop. Now, uh, I can remember my family, my mom or dad, and or my roommate, his uh, mom or dad would come to town. We'd go to this place called the Hilltop in North Bend. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. It's just right before the bridge, I Right believe. before the bridge. Yeah. So I was wondering, is there any connection to you being from the North Bend, Coos Bay area? Obviously, your last name's Hill, but- Hilltop. There's no connection. I don't even think I've ever eaten there, to be honest. I left before I had Hilltop Diner money. Okay. So, yeah. So, I was uh, strictly Taco Bell when I was there. So, Love Taco Bell. Okay. You're a pickleball enthusiast. I want to hear more about that. I hear that's just a lot of fun. It's the thing. Yeah. Okay. You're growth-minded. And then I had a couple more things I want to plug in here because there's a couple things you left out. The, when we were having coffee... You were doing 75 hard at that time. What day were you on then, and did you finish? That's the million-dollar question. Well, I'm uh, on day 55 today, so okay. I, I think it was probably in the infancy of my my journey there. But okay. Yeah, so okay. Still, still going strong. You're still going strong. Man, two workouts a day, a gallon of water, uh, 10 pages in a book, clean eating. What else? Uh, no alcohol. No alcohol. Okay. Good for you, man. I think Aaron Qualls, you know Aaron Qualls? Yeah, we, we talk, actually we talk uh, pretty 
pretty frequently. I think he just finished yesterday. I, I was going to say either yesterday or today he was mm-hmm. finishing his, him and a guy named Michael Clark. Do you mm-hmm. know Michael? Yep. Okay. It's good to have some accountability in that to to stay strong. Yeah, yeah. Like misery loves company in a way. <laughs> but Hey, it's 3 a.m. Are you walking? Yeah. yeah. Are you working out? Yep. Yeah. Um, And then I saw on Instagram yesterday that you love stand-up comedy. So tell me about that because you, you say that you want to do things that scare you. It scares you, but you love it. Tell me about that real quick. I'm just curious. Yeah, I just, I like a challenge. Um one of my uh, unique giftings uh, is a sense of humor. I don't know if that comes from the trauma in my early life or um, as a coping mechanism, but uh, it's just something that's always been natural to me uh-huh. and uh, something that I've been wanting to share for a long time. And I'm just I'm now at the point in my life where I'm I'm excited to take risks. It's been a it's been a journey, and uh, part of that is yeah, just the way I approach every day. You know, I. If I'm faced with a, a set of choices, I choose the one that's harder. I, uh, the one that's going to challenge me most and the one that I don't naturally gravitate towards because I know it's going to make me step outside of, um, where I'm currently at. Okay. So as Brian Tracy, uh, he's a book writer, author, he he says, eat the frog. Is that the, the, the hardest thing you do first thing? And if you can do that, then the rest of the day is easy. I don't know. I, I think he ate a lot of frogs. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty into frogs. Uh, no, I, yeah, I, I love that mentality. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I do the hardest thing first, but I, I make sure that I choose the hardest thing every day, whether that's proactively mm. or reactively. Um, I, I choose what helps me grow. Okay. Dude, I like that, man. I'm, I'm challenged by that because nobody wants to do the hard thing, but if you can actually have a mindset, how cool is that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, yeah. Everything's in your mind. Like my grandma used to tell me growing up, like you can do anything you set your mind to. And that was something I was thinking about today on my walk. And that's meant so many different things to me over my life as I've kind of unpacked who I am. Yeah. And uh, it's like never rang more true than, you know, it, it does today and it mm. will tomorrow, you know, like you, you literally are, you can do whatever you want. You just have to believe in yourself and, yeah. um, and you can, uh, you know, cause everyone else believes in you too. Like yeah. it's just seeing that in yourself. Yeah. And deciding, deciding to, mm-hmm. to make the decision to move forward and do it. Right. Yeah. The but, action, the action is, you know, we all, we all have the ingredients to do anything that we want, anything. but it's just doing the thing. Doing the thing. Good book for you. You've ever read the uh, book, uh, chop wood, carry water. I haven't read it. Okay. Read that and let's have another conversation. It's a great book on doing the thing. Just do the work. Mm-hmm. Do the work. Chop wood, yeah. carry water. It's a great story, by the way. Well, hey, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna dive in here in a moment. I, I want to hear the backstory of Mike, who you are, where you're born. But are you because you like stand up comedy? Are you the jokester? Would Jordan say, "Yeah, you're totally the jokester in the family"? Do the kids say that? Uh, yeah, I'd da- say dad so. makes us laugh. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I am a jokester. I, that's kind of been part of my journey, uh, ironically, is adding more depth to myself and my story and learning my story and being able to tell that. I've always been using comedy as kind of a, a crutch, if you will, to yeah. to avoid unpacking the the life that I lived, you know, and and uh, reframing it for, for good stuff. Mm. So um, I'm actually finding now that I can use comedy as a way to uh, empower myself and, and people around me. Yeah. Amen. So. 
Well, take us back. Tell us the early story of Mike. Where were you born? Uh, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? And then we'll talk about, you know, those next phases of military and marriage and kids and and then Hilltop and then kind of where, where Jesus has you now. So take us all the way back, man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go back. Uh, you know, and I shared this on Facebook recently too. Um, it's something that I've been working on is just learning my story and then reframing my story to um, to serve me and serve others. Mm. So um, just to, so that you're not a victim. I mean, mm. a lot of people have a horrible past and you can either live in victim victimhood and blame. But I like how you said you, you want to reframe the story and probably bring the positive out of that or learn from what happened and not let it repeat maybe into the next, you know, generation of Exactly. Family. Yep. So, um, yeah, just, just a, a reframe and, um, and perspective. And, yeah. uh, so yeah, my, my parents, as I shared, they were, uh, they met dealing drugs. Um, and you know, one thing led to another and I was born and, uh, my mom had to, uh, basically stay on drugs to, to not affect me in a more detrimental way. So, um, like I said on Facebook, that's probably why I became so dope. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I kind of grew up just in chaos, um, at an early age. Um, I had a sister, um, who's five years younger than me and that kind of helped, helped me with some purpose in a way. Um, cause she needed me cause my parents weren't as equipped as they, they should have been. Um, so, you know, I remember my parents being out, going out and leaving me, you know, seven, eight years old with my two to three year old sister overnight. And, you know, that's when I decided to watch the scariest movies possible too. You know, that's why I became a big fan of uh, things that kids shouldn't watch. And, uh, you know, it's funny to go back now and watch it because I was like, oh, it's not so bad. It's actually uh -huh. funny, you know, but, um, so yeah, grew up in, in, uh, Madera, California. Um, and kind of bounced around, uh, schools and yeah, my, my grandparents, uh, my grandpa ran a cotton gin in Madera. And, uh, so I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. There were, um, like uh, another set of parents to me, um, more stable parents. And my, yeah, I just, a lot of memories wandering around the cotton gin and uh, catching lizards and frogs. Frogs. Ones yeah. I wouldn't eat. Um, but uh, yeah, in a tiny little house. And uh, I actually went and revisited um, that area a few years ago and kind of just like, brought back all of the the memories of my childhood which was just insane but um yeah my, my grandparents were always kind of my my constants you know they had their own struggles and stuff and um but you know they they learned from from their lives and um and just some context my my grandparents weren't believers obviously my my parents weren't no, nobody in my family was a believer um and then so looking back, my uncle was also in drugs. Um, that was my mom's brother. Um, and he hung out with my parents. And, um, and in 1992, he was murdered dealing drugs. Um, and I just remember my mom being devastated. I didn't understand what was going on. You know, I, I knew my uncle, but like not on any, any 
depth, you know. But uh, I just remember everybody was crying and it was hard and people were grieving and I just didn't understand it. Uh, and then it was around that time that my grandparents moved to um, to Oregon. They moved to Lakeside, Oregon, just uh, right outside of North Bend Coos Bay. And uh, I think it was that moment that kind of shaped my my parents' life in a way or kind of gave them some perspective on like, what am I doing? You know, why, like we're way too close to this. And I think that was kind of the seed that was planted um, to start taking those steps for my parents or especially my mom, for sure. So um, so then we ended up moving to to Lakeside as well and just stayed with my my grandparents and their little trailer. And uh, your mom and dad as my well? My mom and dad. So, okay. you know, my, my dad, it seemed he was, committing to trying to do the right thing. They, they had a toxic relationship as well. Um, a lot of domestic abuse and violence. And um, I remember calling the cops on my mom's behalf several times and trying to keep my sister out of it and taking her to hide and all that stuff. Um, but uh, anyway, fast forward to, to moving to Oregon. Uh, my uh, my dad got a job. My mom got a job. It seems like we were, you know, starting to get some traction. <clears throat> and then my, my dad and my mom, um, I don't know if things weren't working out. So they, they got divorced, which, uh, you know, and at, at the time, I don't even know. I don't know if I even felt anything, probably a relief, honestly, that, mm-hmm. that they weren't fighting anymore. And I didn't have to be in that, in that mix. And my sister didn't have to be in that mix. Um, so my, uh, yeah, my dad started, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was never, we never had a close relationship. You know, my dad didn't have a dad who raised him. He, he didn't reframe his past to, mm. to empower himself. He was kind of a, vi- a victim of his circumstances, sure. you know. Um, so he ended so, up- so your grandparents... Or your mom's parents. Mm. And so your mom stuck around. Did your dad take off or did? So, yeah, I didn't. That was kind of the next part of it is like my dad just left. He didn't tell us where, where he was going. He just left. Um, you know, I found out years later he went to Florida and then prison for a bit. And um, apparently he had his mom lived there. So he went to, to be with her and started another family over there. Um, and then, you know, that's when that was like the best thing for my mom because she like started really getting it together um you know she was clean she she found a purpose she found a calling she was empowered and it was awesome so mm-hmm. um but uh let's let's rewind a little bit because I, I would do want to include a little bit of my testimony totally. uh, for sure uh, something i something i think i've taken for granted um over the years but uh so when I when I did live in California, my parents um, would send me up with my grandparents because they were a little ahead of us as far as like moving to, to Oregon. So my sister and I would go hang out with my grandparents in Oregon. Uh, for we were on year round school, so we were on for three months um, and off for a month at a time. So we'd go hang out in Oregon, and our uh, our grandparents' neighbor invited me to church one day and. Um, my grandparents, like I said, weren't believers, but they were like, yeah, that might be good for Mike to go meet some kids at church or whatever. So I did. And then, um, 
you know, that's when I became saved. And, uh, it's good, bro. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I brought out the, like, the curiosity in me. I, uh, kind of made me think about life differently, you know, even being nine. Um, you were nine years old? I was nine, When yeah. you got saved? Yep, uh, about that, eight or nine. How, how do you know you were saved, though, as a nine-year-old? What, what was, I mean, you know the gospel today, you're an older guy. Mm -hmm. What did you know at nine? Man. Uh, I mean, I can I tell by your emotion <laughs> that there was a a change in you and something happened, but how'd you know? Um, I, I think I, I knew God was the father that I needed that I didn't have. Um, so yeah, so I went back to California. We moved to Oregon and then I started going regularly to church and, uh, yeah, that was big for me. I started going to Awana and, uh, got plugged in and, uh, after a while I kept going, then I got my sister to come, my little sister. And, uh, and then after a while, my, my grandma, she started coming to church and then, uh, which I never thought would happen. And then, uh, then my mom started coming mm. and my aunt started coming and, uh, kind of, a. I got to teach a, a, a pickleball camp to some kids re recently and uh, I just shared with them like, you know, you're never too young to make an impact, you know. <laughs> I usually don't do feelings, sorry. Okay, bro, <laughs> um, you're, you're safe here, man. But, uh, <sighs> anyway, yeah, so I was like, man, that, that was the point where I was like, I have a testimony that can impact people. So, um, yeah, it's cool to see my, my family start to like, start seeing, I guess, a change in me, you know, and, uh, that's all what that was all about. And, uh, so yeah, everybody pretty much in my family became saved and it was crazy mm -hmm. because my, my mom was like doing like Ouija board stuff and like witchcraft type stuff. And I just really lost and, um, yeah, it's cool. That's awesome. Are you uh, are you still close to your mom now? She's still alive. Um, yeah. So another whole part of the story. Um, uh, she was it uh, about two thousand and eight or nine. Um, we we thought she was going to pass away. She had a something going on with her heart. Yeah. Um, you know, our pastor of our church at the time. You know, he was my youth pastor growing up. Mm -hmm. He was like, uh, probably we should probably start saying goodbye to your mom. It's not looking good. Uh, and then, uh, so she had found out she had severe, uh, COPD, um, uh, she smoked her whole life and, um, she had a blockage in her heart. And so they, they moved her from Coos Bay to OHSU and, uh, and found that, um, uh, they were able to put a mechanical valve in her heart to basically save her. And, um, so that was a, a crazy a crazy turning point in uh, in life and uh you know she her quality of life really suffered obviously but she had life and she could keep going and that was really cool and uh you know a, a blessing but uh yeah so 
anyway, my towards the end of my mom's life, she uh, yeah, it was just hard for her to to do mm-hmm. the things that she needed to do to to live. So um, uh, we bought a house in South Salem that would basically accommodate my mom, and uh, so we could help her. Um, and then so we did that, and it was I don't know, probably six months. No, it was late 2018. Um, she got pneumonia and uh, spent a few weeks in the hospital and ended up, um, you know, passing away. And um, during that time, I had recently reconnected with my father. Um, you know, he moved back. To, he moved to California, and then I had we just been in communication, and then I had found out that he had prostate cancer and. Uh, and a brain tumor. So, um, my dad ended up passing away, um, like four months after my mom. Mm. And, uh, that was probably the hardest between the two of them, like the hardest for me to handle. Um, just because I, I like just grieving a relationship I'd never have, you know? And, uh, but, but I mean, that's kind of you know the importance of of knowing yourself and your story and yeah. um and using using your life experiences to empower you because that's that's all you can do right we are um yeah we're all made up of the the thoughts and the actions that we take every day so amen well it's amazing that your mom she was diagnosed with COPD in 2008 and lived till 2018 so mm-hmm. she got an extension on life for 10 years what a blessing and i bet those were really fruitful years during that period of time with your mom. And the cool thing is you reconnect with your dad, you know, it may not have been a perfect situation, but you did reconnect before he passed away and at least, you know, try to reconcile as best you could. So. Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was good overall for sure. Um, I'm thankful that, that that happened and, uh, like he got to, he got to come to uh, mine and Jordan's wedding, actually. Oh, he did. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of interesting to have my mom and dad together again. I hadn't seen them together, and well, since I was a kid, so that yeah. was a uh, an interesting dynamic. Um, it was good, though. But cool. I got I got pictures of them with me on my, on my wedding day, and uh, something I never thought would ever be a thing. So amazing, yeah, amazing. Well, that's a tough story to hear, and. It's hard, but at the same time, you know, we all go through it and pain is real and, but we can grow from it. Hopefully we can reframe our life and, you know, allow God to work through it and, and still feel blessed. I mean, I don't know you that well, Mike, but I can tell you know that you're a blessed guy. You got a great wife and great kids and a great ministry and a great business and you're optimistic and, uh, I think it's really cool. Thanks. Yeah. I, uh. Like I said, I'm just now figuring out uh, my purpose and my journey and my why. And okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm feeling, uh, I guess, more free and more rich spiritually and just uh, whole yeah. than I ever have in my entire life. Mm. You know, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some fun stuff. Uh, how'd you meet Jordan? How, how, how'd you meet her? And what, uh, yeah, tell me about that journey. And then you guys are now in business together, so we're going to lead to that. Yeah. So, um, so Jordan and I met actually when we were kids. Um, no way. Yeah, she was. Uh, 
She says 13, but I said she was close enough to 14. So she's from Coos Bay as well? And she's from Roseburg. Okay, what what high school did you go to real quick? I went to, I went to North Bend and Marshfield. Okay, that's right. Mm-hmm. Which one did you graduate from? I graduated from Marshfield. Okay. Yeah. So. Too funny. Okay, so back uh go go back to Jordan real quick. Yeah. So. Yeah, so yeah, she was um yeah, approaching 14 and uh I was 16 and uh yeah, had a crush on her. I I like saw her at the camp and I was like I got to find a way to chat with this girl. And then um, that same day, uh, it was the camp was a Christian Youth in Action um, Child Evangelism Fellowship Camp. Um, Like I said, I I got really plugged in. Um, I went to like every youth group you could possibly find, um, you know, in high school. Uh, And that was something that I stumbled upon. Um, Part of part of my testimony and being saved was um, we got to do this camp called Camp Good News and and the Coos Bay, like the Bandon area. Mm And I was a camper and I was inspired and I was like, man, I got to be a, a leader at this camp. So they're like, well, one of the, one of the ways you uh, can do that is you have to go to this Christian Youth in Action camp. And I was like, all right, whatever I need to do, let's sign me up. So, um, yeah, so that's where I ended up meeting Jordan and, uh, yeah. And then her parents were like, well, you can't go there anymore because you're not uh, allowed to see Mike. And, uh, cause we, we would get on on the computer on our dial-up internet and uh, chat on whatever ancient messenger platform it was uh-huh. at the time. And uh, you know, obviously they they thought she was too young to be talking to an an older distinguished gentleman <laughs> as myself. So um, they yeah they just said she couldn't go. But uh, anyways, fast forward, um, Jordan and I um, went through uh, some marriages and. Well, a, each a marriage and a divorce, um, and then after that we reconnected, mm-hmm. and um, she invited me to a blazer game. Well, she asked if we could go together, and I was like, I don't know what the what her deal is. She's way too cute, and uh, and Portland's quite a ways away from Roseburg, but uh, she made the trip, and um, it was a fun date, and then. I, I knew at that time I would be driving to Roseburg every weekend for the foreseeable future. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's how that kind that's of story, shook man. out. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. You guys get married. You guys have some kids. Um, are all the kids, both of yours biologically or. So, the, so our oldest Aspen is mine from my previous marriage. Um, and then the two young, the two middle ones are Jordan's from hers. Yeah. And, um, and then the youngest is ours together. Yeah. Um, so I've since adopted, legally adopted her too. Um, and, uh, that's a, that's a whole another funny dynamic, but, uh, her ex-husband will is, uh, he comes and stays at our house every Sunday and we're, we're, you know, we've grown pretty close and the kids love it and it's awesome for them. And, you know, Will and I do weird stuff like skydive together and, um, other stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's been good. That's pretty cool. That's a great story. So you've only been in real estate for what, three years? Yep. Just over, uh, just over three years. Yep. Cause it was right before COVID. I think you said Jordan was doing real estate before you. So Tell me about the Army National Guard when that all began, and then, then how you and Jordan, how Jordan started real estate, then you got involved, and and why why it's working. Yeah, it, it seems like you guys are doing really well. 
Yeah, that's what we want people to believe for sure. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, just keep telling people lies. Man, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. Um, yeah. So the National Guard, I, I joined in 2007, um, working at Dutch Bros at the time. I have a weird background, so I'm naturally introverted, but also I'm a class clown. You know, I I'm extroverted in, in my circle. But uh, it's funny. so Dutch Bros kind of brought that out of me as like being more of a public person, and um, I enjoyed it. But obviously, I couldn't. I couldn't be a Dutch bro for my for my life. So uh, I was like, I, I've always wanted to serve in some capacity. Um, my first attempt was shot down by my mom when I was seventeen. I graduated when I was seventeen, and um, my mom was very protective of her her golden son. So uh, so she said no. So then you know I I enrolled at SWAC, you know our our alma mater. Yes, and uh, uh, went there, failed quite a bit learned and then learned quite a bit, you know, in a way, um, turned my grades around and, um, took my talents to Salem, um, if you will. And, uh, I enrolled at Oregon state and then ended up not, not, yeah, I'm actually a duck fan, which was, it was really, uh, an identity crisis for me at the time, but, uh, and, but I didn't end up going there. So then I enrolled, enrolled in, uh, at Western Oregon. I wanted to be a teacher. I thought, because that was all I was ever exposed to as a child, you know, as teachers, because I didn't get out much. But um, it turned out I, after a while, I felt not led to be a teacher. Well, I, I, I guess I am a teacher now in, in a way. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just took a year off. And then um, I, I approached a recruiter about, um, about serving. And it was the National Guard because I knew I wanted to serve, but I also... I had friends that I liked in town. So I was like, yeah, I want to hang out with these guys still, but you know, I want to go see a little bit of the world. So talked to the recruiter. I had no um, direction on what I wanted to do. I knew, I knew that I wanted to do something that I could, that would translate to outside of the national guard um, in a, in a career capacity. Just didn't know what. So I just told my recruiter, Hey, what can you offer me that couldn't serve this? And he's like, you want to be an IT guy? And I was like, I got a MySpace. Of course, yeah. I, can, I can be an IT guy. Totally. I, I got a top eight, and you just made it. Nice job. But uh, so anyway, well, one thing led to another, and I uh, I became an IT guy. So uh, And that's what I did full-time for the National Guard for 10 years before working for the state for a few years as an IT guy as well. Um, and as you know, in IT, um, generally people that are deeper in IT are um, I don't know. Also, introverts that uh, you know like like computer stuff and yeah. And honestly, I, I didn't have a passion for it. I I did it because it was a a skill that I had learned. But uh, yeah, what what I loved honestly was the the lowest paying position I had in IT, which was uh, customer service and a help desk where I got to mingle and help people. And I, uh, it was at that point that I. I knew that I loved helping people and serving mm-hmm. people and whatever that looked like. So that was, uh, looking back, that was kind of a formidable time in my, uh, in my career. Yeah. No, I love that. I think Dutch Bros is a great way to, you know, to become a little bit more extroverted and, uh, you're forced to talk to people and then you obviously learned, uh, customer service and taking care of people, uh, was a great, uh, segue too. So, Okay, so now you you guys uh, you and Jordan or Jordan's in she gets into real estate twenty nineteen 
Yeah, so she'd actually a little bit of her journey, and I'm, I won't spoil it since you'll you'll get to talk to her, yeah. and, and not too long. But uh, yeah, she was uh, managing arcade jewelers at the uh, when we first moved here from uh, when she first moved here from Roseburg, and uh, you know retail hours suck, you know if they're not conducive for family life and. Uh, but she she managed she assistant managed and and then managed the K jewelers in Woodburn and then um, uh, in Salem for a while and um, our former realtor, which is a whole another story. But uh, he he ended up being um, the one that basically asked Jordan if she would want to come and work doing a virtual job with EXP um, as like an onboarding person or you know, whatever that looked like. And Jordan was just really confused and was like, do they pay you real money or is it virtual money? Uh, it, was, it was like before working remotely was cool, you know, because um, with EXP, you have a virtual world and um, it's cool, but we could talk about that later. But um, anyway, so she that's where she was first exposed to real estate um, outside of just, you know, our own buying and selling. So she worked there for several years and just she had a, a seed planted where, she was like, yeah, maybe I want to do this. You know, she, you know, with the concept, like you are who you spend your time with, right? And mm -hmm. so she was spending time with real estate agents and she was hearing about like what they did and how they liked it. So she got licensed and uh, she had her license for about a year. She was still working full time. So didn't really have the opportunity to dive in as much. So, and then she did get a couple deals going and, um, uh, there was around this time that COVID happened and she was like, Hey, do you want to get licensed and maybe help me out a little bit? And I was like, yeah, sure. And, uh, totally makes sense. Right. IT guy. Yeah. Real estate. I, I had an interest. I've always had an interest in it for sure. But in being, I think the thing that, that's kept me back for so long was, uh, I don't know, fear like most people. Right. And, um, and the government, being my my sugar daddy in uh -huh, a way as uh -huh. far as like my nice benefits go and um basically institutionalizing you in a way um of making you feel like you can't do anything outside of it so or like you know and just the people that you're around you hear that uh oh government jobs are awesome and um this is it's the best thing for you and it's secure and safe and so i've always played the secure safe thing and i've never I never even bet on myself ever, I don't think. Wow. Um, and so this is that seed. So Jordan's Jordan's step and in invitation to me to get licensed was was big. And so I got licensed and then um got my first clients and they were young. I was probably the coolest first deal I could have ever done because it was with some early twenties um folks using a usda loan in the heat of the market mm -hmm. like almost impossible circumstances you know and uh and i did it and um and they believed in me and um i know and i conquered that and i i was felt very empowered and i i loved being a part of this young couple's journey um and i was inspired by them you know mm -hmm. and it's like, I can't not do this now full time, you know? So Jordan was like, find a way to, 
She's like, let's get six months of, of mortgage reserves and uh, let's see what can happen. And, uh, you know, I've never been so motivated to get six months of anything in my entire life. So that happened very quickly. And then I, um, I went all in on real estate. And uh, yeah, that's, so that's how that started. A um, few, few questions here. What's the biggest challenge a real estate agent is facing right now in this market? Because when you first got in, rates were really low. Lots of people trying to buy a home. Not pe- people weren't getting their offers accepted. Your first deal on a USDA loan, which would be hard to do, you, you, it all worked out. And I'm pretty sure God was a part of that mm-hmm. to make it work like it did. But now rates are really high. And I would say a few few things. What's the biggest challenge with a real estate agent right now? And are agents even closing deals right now for the most part? You guys are, but what's the rest of the world look like as far as agents go? Yeah, I would say from my perspective, it's there's always going to be a challenge, right? That Like a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. We need these challenges. And, uh, you know, previously it was the competition. Now it's rates. Yeah. Um, it's always going to be something. So the biggest challenge is your own mind and hmm. and uh, persevering through challenges and finding a way. Um, you know, every problem has a solution and finding that and surrounding yourself with people that challenge the way that you think and uh, and you do the same for them. And uh, yeah, and masterminding, right? Um, and uh yeah, just taking that time to to think outside the box because there's a way to do it. Yeah. And the th- I had a, a saying that uh, when I first started, because it's intimidating when you're a new agent and you see all these agents in town, like just crushing it. And yeah. I just, in my head, I always thought, why not me? Why not me? Why not me? So I just, I just kept kept that in my mind as I did my thing and- um, and I still think that, but you know, I don't, I'm in a place now where I don't care, compare myself to other agents or, and it's hard, you know, uh, uh, comparison is a thief of joy, right? Hey, I was just going to say mm-hmm. that quote, man, that I do too. I mean, I, I can find myself it's in hard. comparison mode, but comparison is a thief of joy. Mm-hmm. There's a quote that Jim Rohn, I don't know if you know who mm-hmm. Jim Rohn is. He goes, don't wish things were easier, wish you were better. Mm-hmm. I literally tell myself that. Yeah. These are hard times. Yeah. They really are. But every season can be hard in its own way. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah. It's like, it's like, what what's hard? It's like, no, what can I do to, yeah, exactly. What can I do to improve myself? Like the conditions are going to be the same, but I can, I can not be the same. You know, I can be different and I can improve on this and where can I do that? And, uh, you know, it's, it's important that you have that mindset because the challenges are going to be there. All the time. Always. So it's just, how are you going to respond? That's the one thing that you can control is your response Mm. to anything. So what are you going to do about it? You know, it's like that old saying, like, nobody cares, work harder. (laughs) It's like, it sounds insensitive, but it's true. Like, like you, like you care, like you need to care. And if you don't care, then nobody does, you know? Exactly. So. So you and Jordan working together as husband and wife, that is a blessing because on your own, you could probably get a certain level. On Jordan's own, she could get to a certain level. But together, it's kind of like quadruple. It's like maybe even a 10x. Mm-hmm. But what are all the challenges being married and working in the same business? Because you go home at night and are you guys, you know, 
falling asleep talking about a deal that's going sideways. I mean, how do you guys navigate? I don't know that you are or aren't, but how do you guys navigate that? Yeah. How do you separate? Uh, that, like you said, it's, it can be awesome and it can be tough. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely bring different perspectives. We're completely different. Okay. So she has certain ways that she does stuff. I have certain ways that I do stuff. And um, it's being accepting of that, you know, and something that I've learned mindset wise is uh, no matter what, like there's not a right or a wrong, it's just a perspective and it's a, um, an experience, you know, it's, mm. there's, we all, we all have different backgrounds, so we're all going to see things a little bit differently and, and it doesn't make them right or wrong. It, it just makes them unique to, to your experience. I like how you say that because a lot of times we can think, well, hey, I'm right and you're wrong. Mm -hmm. But really what you say, it's not right or wrong. It's just different perspectives. And I think it's really important to, to keep in mind and show respect, show appreciation. Because everybody has unique gifting mm -hmm. and talents and thoughts mm -hmm. and that are different than yours. Yeah. And that doesn't make it wrong. Yeah. And, as, you know, I think it's a, that's an it's an ego problem when Ooh. you when you see – when you see yourself as right and somebody else is wrong, uh, it's an ego issue. And so stepping outside of that and really uh, analyzing like, where, <laughs> where, why, why are you, why am I the way that I am? You know, it's like, why? yeah. So it's, um, so anyway, you know, she, she has different um, perspectives on things and I do too. And I love that uh, they're unique Yeah, and they challenge us. And uh, yeah, so, parenting together and businessing together and all of the things together it's a it can be tough but it's also like it's nice to have a spouse that understands what i'm doing right a lot of i've i don't know this because i haven't been there but i, I know a lot of agents that have spouses that are like why why do you have to do this or that or like jordan and i understand like hey part of the business that we're in you know we're gonna have to do some things that uh require us to go show a house late at night or to take a, a phone call. But um, to, I guess, on the other on the other side of the coin, like you, we need to set boundaries and, um, and protect the time that we have with our mm. family and our kids and really be proactive. So, um, but it's nice to have a, a spouse that understands both sides of that too. Yeah, Man, that's good, that's good. I think we could probably have another podcast because I want to, I mean, we could probably spend another hour just unpacking how you guys run your business. Um, I thought you want to give away all your trade secrets, but the reality, oh, I love it. there are no trade secrets. There's a billion books out there with all the, the secrets that most people will never do. Mm -hmm. And I, I've heard that like, um, you know, when I talk to agents that are considering joining our team, they'll be like, that's like, that's so nice that you told me all this stuff. And like, for free and i was like yeah i was i'm i'm happy to share literally everything because you know knowledge is only one half of the equation action is the other half and most Ooh. people most people aren't willing to do that and if you are then you're going to be a better agent and then eventually i'm going to work a deal with you and then we're going to have an awesome transaction for our clients and they're yeah. going to they're going to have a great experience because of the the level that we brought each other up to so collaboration is necessary and um, it's a responsibility that we have. I would say the knowledge is one part, application is the other part. The application can be if you do real estate for one year and you go, oh, real estate really isn't for me because, well, I didn't do very well. 
you can quit before you actually learn the skill set of doing what you do. Mm-hmm. And what what could it look like in 10 years if you actually stuck with it? I've had my own doubts with different things I've done. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Wait, I learned how to ride a bike when I was a kid. I learned how to snowboard when I was 50. Uh, and I've learned different things over time that it's like, you can do, like you even said when we first started, you can do anything you want to do. If you just believe you can and mm-hmm. you move forward and you you do. Mm-hmm. You got to, but you have, it takes work. Yeah. And most people, they give up. You know, the chop wood, carry water book is the whole idea is just do the work and you'll improve over time. You'll become more efficient, more skilled, and pretty soon you do it as second nature. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen overnight though. Yeah, and, exactly. And just finding those things that, uh, finding who you are, right? And your why. Like mm. finding your why, that, that's been huge for me. And kind of like your life's mission statement. Yeah. I've, been, I've been working on that and uh, and then making sure that the actions I take every day and the goals I set are in congruency with, um, with that. Can you unpack, maybe we'll wrap up here in a moment, but can you unpack like that, the life's purpose, your mission statement? Is it like a, a, a sentence? Is it a word? Is it, what is it? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's evolving. It's ever evolving uh, for me today in this moment in my life. Um, it's along the lines of uh, using my life uh, to impact and influence others um, in a positive way, you know, w- w- with the direction of God and uh, yeah. and just keeping keeping that as my, my guiding light. And then um, everything else kind of happens. And Recently, I just had this epiphany that's been the most freeing feeling in the world, and I just wanted to share it today. It's uh, just being a believer, you know, we can be so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was in a Bible study on Wednesday, and we were talking about what, is it, what does it mean to be a man of God? And I was like, that's, that's heavy, and that's deep. Like, And I think for my whole entire adult life, I've, I've never felt worthy. I mean, we're not worthy, but you know, I, I felt like I couldn't lead other believers because, um, of this sin or that sin. Um, because I've always been striving to be a man of God, you know, to a, to a destination. And I think that's where a lot of us get stuck as we are trying to reach a destination and not, um, putting our identity and the intent of the pursuit Hmm. of that. So for me, I know where my heart is and I know um, what I need to do in God's word to, to, uh, you know, to attain the fruits of the spirit and live that out to the best that I can. Um, You know, just asking God for that help every day to get there. And uh, it's been freeing and liberating and I feel so empowered to to live the life that God has uh, put in front of me. And it's funny because I like real estate and I made this post the other day, but real estate is something that I do, but it's not who I am. And it's like, I haven't even been thinking a lot about real estate. Like, I've just been thinking about who, I, who can I help today? Uh, who can I impact today? I have a gratitude journal and I, I that's some of the things I write in there is like, um, who can who can be impacted by my life today? And then I ask God to put that in my life and keep my heart open to possibilities. Mm. Um, just like, as I, 
I do a lot of walking. So I try to I try to walk on the streets where I will have the most visibility because I might have the chance to impact some somebody's life that day. And if I can increase my odds by being in front of more people, then that's what I'm going to do. So it's that's as simple cool. as just making that that longer walk, right? The harder thing, choosing the harder thing to for potentially uh, changing somebody's life. Yeah, Mike, you impact a lot today, man. A lot of a lot of heavy stuff. God's really at work in your life, and to me, it sounds like. You're all in. You're committed, and uh, you're excited where God's going to take you. You're praying for opportunity, being transparent, being open, being visible, loving your wife, loving your kids, having fun. So, well, hey, if somebody wants to reach out to you, you know, if they want to buy a house, if they want to join your team, they want to learn more about real estate, they want to learn about your Bible study, or anything, how would they get a hold of you? So you can get a hold of me, uh, well, my phone number, 503-851-8563. You can find me on Instagram. That's where I do a lot of uh, reels and educational content for clients and real estate agents. Um, You can find me on there at at Mike Hill Real Estate. And then um, mine and Jordan's team is at Hilltop Property Group, where we have a ton of agents that are totally in line with our culture and our vision and are um, excited to serve um, and help you achieve your dreams of uh, home ownership or uh, or selling a home. So, uh, yeah, you can find us anywhere and, uh, you know, we'd be happy to help. Awesome. Uh, two things before I let you go. Uh, number one, you did a, you and Jordan did a little thing with Carmen Babb. It was really awesome at, uh, at the office. Oh, yeah. That, that yeah, was, was really hilarious. You guys are natural, by the way. Yeah, thanks. We uh, we just came up with the ideas for that video like that morning. That was good. And uh, yeah, that's kind of our unique uh, talents and abilities. We're like, we were asked to do it. And we're like, heck yeah. You guys not? look like you're natural, totally natural. Hey, yeah, it, it takes time. Just like anything, people will be like, man, you look really confident. I'm like, I was not confident before. And I, I make the choice every day to gain confidence. And that's Amen. by doing the hard things. Amen. So. All right, so today... Uh, even though this will air next Friday, today is the Pac-12 championship. You said you're a Duck fan. Yeah. Uh, what's the final score tonight mm. uh, with Oregon and Washington? Now, I was actually talking to my uh, my 10-year-old son about this today because he's a big score prediction guy. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, 35-21 Ducks. 35-21 Ducks. Yeah, unless we go for a two-point conversion and don't get it like we occasionally do, but, you know, we'll make it up with another converted two-point conversion, so. I had a, I had Oregon by two touchdowns, so apparently I'm in line with your son, so. Yeah, no, no, that, that was my prediction. He, he was asking me, I think he's probably uh, hedging bets at school or something, I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a, an entrepreneur He's as a well, smart so. kid, man, that's really cool. <laughs> so. Well, hey, brother, really appreciate you being on here, being transparent, and, uh, We'll do this again. A lot of yeah, fun. Heck yeah. Really uh, appreciate getting to know you. I'm excited to uh, rewatch this because, I mean, you brought a lot of stuff out of me today that I am excited to unpack in my own life and and get better. So, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for listening this week. We appreciate you all. Thanks so much. Thank you all for taking the time each week to be encouraged, challenged, and loved. Remember what Jesus said? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My hope and prayer is that you believe the words of Jesus. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much.